Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. We're going to start a new series today. It's going to take about six weeks to do, and it's called Telling Yourself the Truth. And we're going to talk about you in your relationship with God. Now you're saying, why, why, why do we need to focus on telling ourselves the truth, George? Why is it that that's so important for us right now? Well, for instance, like today's message, we're going to talk about what really bothers God. If I were to ask you just to, and I'm not going to have you do this, but if I were to ask you to tell me some things that really bother God, you would immediately give me a whole list of things that you feel are very bothersome to God, that God is irritated with, that God does not like. And you would give me a whole list of sins that you think in your mind are really bothersome to God. Now here's the problem. The problem, though, is is if you were to write that list down, the issue is that when you look at that list, chances are that most of the things on your sin list that you think bother God really don't apply to your life. They apply to someone else's life. They are sins or issues that others are dealing with, not per se you. Because they're the things that bother you. And so, because they bother you, you believe they bother God. So what we're going to talk today about is what really bothers God. What is it that God is really concerned about? What is it that really irritates God? What displeases God? And when we find out what displeases God, then we can tell ourselves the truth. Then we can tell ourselves the truth because the issue isn't what everybody else is doing. The issue is, how's my life? How am I doing? Where am I at, God? What really bothers you? And so that's what we're going to be looking at today. We're going to be looking at specifically Proverbs chapter 6, a section from there. But I want to focus, first of all, on our tendency. And we find that in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. So I'm going to read the passage so you don't need to turn to you. The first five verses. Listen to what Matthew says in Matthew chapter 7. Judge not that you be not judged. For what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your eye. Listen to what Jesus said. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Listen, here's what Jesus is saying. Very first verse, a lot of people know this. Judge not lest you be judged. He's saying, look, you've got to be careful about how you judge others. And let's be honest, we do that, don't we? In our culture today, Christians are very much, very much bothered by the things that the unsaved world is doing around us and, and we're ready with judgment. Ready, We're ready to 
to blast people for what they're doing and what they're doing wrong and so forth. And Jesus says, now wait a minute, hold on. Before you start judging, recognize that when you judge someone, the very measurement by which you judge others will be used against you. And then he goes on and he makes this point. He says, why are you concerned about a speck, like a little piece of sawdust in your brother's eye, in someone else's eye, when you've got a two-by-four hanging out of yours? And the issue is is that you deal with the two-by-four in your own life. You deal with the stuff in your own life, then you'll be able to deal with the stuff in everybody else's life. And so from this, I want to show us our tendency in two ways. First of all, we tend to judge the sins of others. Everybody does it. Let me just stop for a moment. Nobody here is immune from this aspect. Every one of us, we tend to judge the sins of others. Because here, let me explain something to you. Everybody here, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're from, doesn't matter your background, every one of you here has a moral standard of where you have a line in your mind of behavior that's wrong. You have that line. Everybody, even the unsafe person, they have a line of what is wrong. And so that is the measurement by which they judge other people. And so even though they may be a scoundrel, there's even something for them that is wrong. Every one of us has this standard. And so what we do is, is we tend to judge, we tend to look at the specs in others' eyes. We tend to judge others. Now with that tendency, he goes on and tells us that here's what we do though. We tend to look overlook our own. My focusing on you, my focusing on the sin in your life, I then overlook what? The sin in my life. You see what I'm saying? By my focusing on what everybody else is doing wrong, I then overlook the stuff that's in my life. In fact, a few years ago in National Geographic, a gentleman by the name of Walter Arnold said this, When people decide to take up reforming, they first find something that won't interfere with their style of living. Then, brother, can they reform? Isn't that a good point? When people jump on the bandwagon to deal with stuff. They focus on the stuff that they're not involved with that's not going to interfere with the things that they do. And then, brother, they'll change that. They'll want to change that. But when it comes to changing their lives, what? We overlook it. We overlook the stuff. So that's our tendency. And that's what Jesus is saying. But I want you to notice something here. Jesus is saying, look at the very... You don't need to look at it. Let me quote to you what he says in verse 5. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Here's what Jesus is saying. Listen to me. He's saying to the church today in North America, you know, you're disturbed by the stuff that's happening around you. You're disturbed by the behaviors. And you want to change them. You want to elect legislatures that will put in judges that will make sure that morality is put into law and so forth to deal it. You know what? Is it going to happen? Why isn't it going to happen? Because first of all, you've got to deal with something first before you can talk about dealing with other people. You've got to deal with your own life. You've got to deal with the sin in your own life. Then you will be able to, what does he say? But the word is to help. To help your brother with the speck in his life. But see, we've got it reversed. We want to focus on what they're doing wrong. I'm doing okay because I'm not like them. Isn't that true? We get into the comparison thing. But you know what? God doesn't compare us when he deals with us. 
He just looks at us. Oh, but let me just stop for a moment. He does compare us. You say, who does he compare us to? The perfect one. Jesus. So let me ask you something. When you compare yourself right now to Jesus, how are you doing? Probably all of us here would have to say, we're not doing well, are we? So what is he saying here? When I deal with the stuff, why? When I deal with my sin, and here's the thing, for you and I as a Christian, this is the point I want you to see. As a Christian, when we deal with our sin, we understand the salvation that Jesus has given us, that we don't deserve it. He did it for us, in spite of us. And we see the forgiveness that he's given us. When I understand his salvation, then I am able, what? To help someone else. Because I recognize in salvation, man. I'll give you an example. Here, let me say. Let's say Brad's got a problem. He's got a speck in his eye. We'll use speck as his hint. I've got to deal with the beam, the two-by-four hanging out of my eye. When I deal with that two-by-four and I recognize, truly recognize, God, I have done wrong with you. And Lord, you've given me salvation. Lord, you have given me grace when I don't deserve it. You have forgiven me in spite of this two-by-four hanging out of my own eye. When I truly understand the salvation that he's given to me, that it's not just fire insurance. It's forgiveness because of the stuff that I'm doing. Then I'm better able to go and help Brad with the speck in his eye because now I can do it in a loving manner. Because if God's gracious to me, what? I need to be gracious to Brad. In fact, you know what? In your Bibles, you can write this down in your little paper there. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It talks about those who are spiritual to go to the one who has stumbled and to deal with them in gentleness and meekness. Listen to me. These are two key words gentleness and meekness, hoping to restore them. Why? Recognizing, what? That in the same situation, they could fall to the same sin. Let me just stop for a moment. We get into the comparison trap of looking at others and saying, well, I'm glad I'm not like them. Well, I'm glad I don't do their stuff. I ain't doing that. You know what? Given the right circumstances, right situation, you do the same thing. Why can you say that, George? Because the Bible says that all of us are sinful. The Bible says that all of us are fallen creatures. Given the right circumstances, the right situation, you might do the same thing. It is only the grace of God in your life that you haven't done it. And so you've got to recognize that. You've got to recognize that. And so that helps me. That's our tendency. Our tendency is to focus on the sins of others. And then our tendency is to, what? Overlook our own. So here's what I want you to see now. You say, okay, well, if I'm overlooking my own, how do I get a grasp of what the sins are in my life? Well, that brings us to Proverbs chapter 6. I want you to look in your Bibles at Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to look at four verses, verses 16 through 19, very clear verses. And I want you to see what King Solomon says, the wisest man who ever lived. And notice what he says there concerning the sins in our lives. Verse 16, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Listen to what he says here. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord. Among the brethren. What you see here in this verse, the writer is specifically, Solomon is specifically telling you and I 
that these seven things are things that God, that bother God, that God does not like, that God hates. I want you to stop for a moment. I want you, when I asked you in your mind, if you could think about those sins that bother God, probably in your mind you had a whole list of sins that really bother God, but probably maybe only a few of them made this list. Probably a lot of them didn't make this list, did they? In fact, the ones that we just read weren't even on your list because you don't see those as being a big... But I want you something here. They are an issue with God. And so two things I want you to see here about God's attitude. First thing I want you to see is this, is that He is disgusted by certain sins. He is disgusted by certain sins. Look at verse 16 there. Notice what He says. These six things the Lord hates, yet seven are an abomination to him. Now that word abomination, here's what a word abomination means. Abomination means a disgusting thing. That's the technical definition. It is a disgusting thing. So when we talk about it being an abomination to God, these specific seven sins are disgusting to God. Think about that. So when I'm talking about not looking at someone else's life, I'm talking about examining my own life and looking, telling myself the truth. I've got to understand God's attitude towards sin. I first of all need to understand, as I'm looking about His attitude, is, is that there are certain sins that He considers disgusting. Now that really challenges us. So what do you mean? Well, conventional wisdom in Christianity is this. Jesus took care of all my sins on the cross, so I've got a blank check. I can just do my own thing. He loves me. He forgives me. Big deal. And see, we've got to understand that, yes, while there is forgiveness, yes, while there is love from God because of Jesus, He still is disgusted by our sin. It's because of the disgusting nature that Jesus died for it. Do you understand? So when you and I do what's wrong, we're doing something that God considers to be disgusting. We need to understand that attitude that God has towards sin. The second thing I want you to see there is this, is that God hates specific attitudes and actions. When you look at these seven things, you're saying, what's the big deal with these seven? Well, my friends, these seven reveal something about the character of a person. When you see somebody who's struggling with these seven, it's revealing the character of that person. And so he hates these specific personal attitudes and actions. And that's what we see here in this list. We see attitudes and we see actions. And he hates them. He hates them. See, I think you and I need to wake up to reality. Instead of looking at others, instead of comparing ourselves to others and saying, well, I'm doing okay, Jesus. Because I'm not like so-and-so. And you maybe even are looking here in the room and say, well, I'm doing okay because I'm not like that guy or that gal over on the other side of the room. Or that person in front of me or that person behind me. Or that person who's not here today. When reality is, is you need to look at your life and realize that there might be specific attitudes and actions that you're engaging in, that you're excusing away because you're not like that other person, that God says... I've got a problem with them. They bother me. So you say, okay, well, what are these seven? Let's look at them more specifically, and that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time, is on what displeases God. Look with me at verse 17 through 19. I'll read through the list again, 
And then I'm going to give you five specific things out of these seven that God hates. Listen to them. First of all, here's what he despises. Here's what is disgusting to him. Verse 17. A proud look. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift to running to evil. A false witness who speaks lies. And one who sows discord among the brethren. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at five specific things. The first thing I want you to notice, and it's the chief one, and it should be at the top of the list, is that God hates pride. You know what? Pride, can I be honest with you, was the very first original sin. It was not done by a human being. It was done by an angelic being. Lucifer, the son of the morning. You know him as Satan, the enemy. Did you know that one time Lucifer was an angelic being who served in the very throne room of God? But pride entered into his heart and he fell. And thus with pride all sin began. See, it's the chief of sin. When you look at the sins in your life, my friends, can I be honest with you, the issue is pride. Pride is the issue. God hates pride because what does pride do? God hates pride because pride takes you and puts you before God. When you think about the things that you engage in, the sins that you engage in, it's because you at that moment, when you engage in them, have decided that you know better than God. And that's pride. It's an arrogance. When it talks about a proud look here in Proverbs, it's talking about a heart that has arrogance. Let me just stop for a moment because some of you might be confused. In our English language, we think of pride and proud in several different ways. We think in terms of, well, my boy did well in school or my, my daughter did well in sports and I'm proud of them. That's not the kind of pride I'm talking about here. In fact, remember what I said when we talked about our tendency? Our tendency is to focus on the sins of others, but to neglect the sins in our own life. Can I be honest with you? The reason why we do that is because of what? Pride. In fact, here's what I've noticed. You know, as I've been pastoring for a while, I deal with people from all walks of life, and I have talked to people who are in the ditch of life who are on the outs in life. And they don't have much anymore. In fact, they don't have very much anymore, but they still have pride. Because I'll talk to them and I'll say, well, you know, they'll say, I don't got a job, I can't find a job. I said, well, how about working at McDonald's? And here's what they'll say, can't do that, my buddies might see me there. What's that about? Pride. Everybody has it. It comes out of our very nature. And what happens here? God hates pride. God hates pride. Notice the second thing he hates there. And here's what it is. God hates our lies. God hates our lies. Notice what he says there. Twice he says this. A lying tongue, verse 17. And then look at verse 19. A false witness who speaks lies. God hates lying. Now, can I be honest with you? That's, we're in trouble. What do you mean we're in trouble, George? Because we live in a culture that accepts lying. There was a recent study done, in fact, I read it this week, in 2004, Bella DiPaolo, a visiting professor at the University of California, Santa Barbara, who specializes in studying forms of human deception, asked college students and members of the community at large to keep a notebook to tally up 
the number of lies they told in one week. By the end of the experiment, DiPaolo found that students had lied at least once to 38% of the people that they came in contact with. And that the community at large lied to at least 30% of the people that they came in contact with. Based on her research, here's what she said. She says that all of us fall into one of two categories of liars. Listen to this. Some of us are what they call self-centered liars. We lie in order to make ourselves look better to others. The rest of us are other-centered liars. We lie in order to avoid hurting some pe- other, someone else's feelings. The experiment also found that the proverbial white lie was more often told to strangers and that deeper lies were reserved for those that the liar loved the most. In the everyday life, people are often telling lies, says DePaulo. It's not to get something concrete that they want, like more money, but for psychological reasons. Sometimes in our real lives, our valuing honesty clashes with something else that we value more, like wanting to be gracious or kind or compassionate. So we're liars. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a liar. Go ahead. I'm a liar. But here's the problem. Some of you had a hard time doing that, didn't you? Some of you had a hard time doing that. Because you're saying, I'm not a liar. Oh, really? You know, we have a thing called call display now, don't we? We used to not have that. But even before we had it, we used to do things, Mom, it's so-and-so. Tell them I'm in the shower. We lie, don't we? But here's what I want you to see. God hates our lies. See, when I don't look at somebody else and I look, get real and tell myself the truth, so you got to tell yourself the truth. Not only hates my pride. See, some of you, the reason why you can't admit it is because of the first one, your pride. God hates our lies. The next thing I want you to see that God hates is this. God hates our bent towards murder. You say, well, I'm not a murderer, George. I haven't shed innocent blood. You may not have physically shed it, but you have shed it. Because, you know what, you go all the way back over to Matthew, and Jesus gives us the standard for murdered. He said, if you have hated someone in your heart, you have murdered them. You say, what do you mean? Because here, I'm going to be honest with you, because let's be honest, there have been people that you have wished were dead. Let's be honest. In your heart, they have hurt you, they have done wrong to you, and you have wished them to be dead. Where did that come from? It comes from the sinful nature within us that is bent towards murder. And here's the point I want you to see, is that God hates that bent within our lives. God hates within us that desire to do others wrong, to see others be harmed. God hates it. And we need to be honest about that. Some of you here, you are carrying grudges towards other people. You hate them. You're just wanting something bad to happen to them. My friends, I'm going to tell you something. You're just as bad as if you pulled the trigger or you stabbed them with a knife yourself. It's the attitude. And God hates that attitude. 
He goes on and he tells us one other thing that he hates. And here's what I want you to see. We see it in verse 18. Two things. Notice what it says there. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet that are swift to running to evil. Here's what I want you to see. God hates our desire to do evil. God hates it. You say, you, I don't know that I, I really wrestle with that one, George. Listen, it happens. It can happen very subtly. You know that something presents itself, and believe me, it will. The temptation will be there for you to do wrong, and you will rationalize it in your mind. You say, well, you know, if I do that, there's always forgiveness. If I do that, I know that God will forgive me. See, God hates that attitude where we begin to contemplate doing wrong and we even pursue doing wrong with a presumptuous attitude on Him, on His grace, on what His Son has done for us. And God hates it. He despises it. He says it is disgusting. And then one other thing I want you to see there. Look at verse, the last part of verse 19. And the one who sows discord among the brethren. What I want you to see is there's one final thing here that God hates. God hates the discord we stir up. You know, some of us, let's be honest, I think all of us at some point like to stir the pot with people, don't we? When we're kids, you know, when you've got, you come from a family, like I had three in my family, and, and uh, my brother and my sister and I, you know, and, and you just know the buttons to push. You parents know what I'm talking about. You have kids, you know that some kids, they just know the buttons to push with people. They know how to stir the pot. And you know how it is in families. When you get together for a family reunion and stuff, it doesn't, even though you've gotten older, it doesn't quit, does it? You, you just stir the pot. You know how to provoke a problem. You just know the right word to say. It happens in church too. You know how to stir the pot with people. Let me tell you something. God is a God of unity. It's the very essence of who He is. Unity within the Trinity. God, when you see unity is very important to Him in the New Testament within the church. Let me tell you something. What He hates is those that just stir the pot. The button pushers. The people who just want to see a good fight. You know what? That kind of attitude, God hates it. Let's just stop for a moment. Think about what we talked about. We talked about pride. We talked about lying. We talked about murder. We talked about our pursuit of evil, of sin. We've talked about stirring the pot. How are we doing? Better yet, what does God think about it? Look at what verse 16 says. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. How do I close this? Let me give you some thoughts. First of all, do you focus on the sins of others? Do you focus on the sins of others? Is that where you're wrapped up? Listen, and there's a, you know what, there's a good way to be focused on the sins of others and there's a bad way to be focused on the sins of others. You say, what's the difference, George? It's the difference of the heart. And you can usually tell where people are at by how they react to the sins of others. Do you focus on the sins of others? That's a very real question. The next thing then is recognize that God is disgusted by your sins. You're saying they're disgusted with what everybody else is doing. My friends, God's disgusted at you. He's disgusted by what you're doing. Say, so quit focusing on others. Turn to yourself. Recognize that what you're doing. So then what do you do? Tell yourself the truth about your sin. Tell yourself the truth about the sin in your life. 
Say, I'm not there yet. Well, listen, here's what we're going to do the next few weeks. We're going to take those five things and we're going to look specifically for the next five weeks what the Bible says about each one of them. Tell yourself the truth. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.